0: It's the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online, and apps. In episode 90, we discuss our first impressions of TNT and Univision's Champions League and Europa League coverage, some of the insights we learned from our trip to Bristol, Connecticut to visit ESPN, which network has launched a daily European soccer highlights show, ESPN acquires even more soccer TV rights. And we have a bunch of letters from you listeners in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya. Now, Kartik and I uh, went to uh, ESPN uh, on Sunday for a visit uh, to uh, ESPN Deportes, ESPN Plus, and also ESPN International. And uh, we'll get into that in the news segment, but... uh, Kartik, what was your thoughts in terms of um, spending the day with ESPN and kind of getting to know a little bit about, well, actually a lot about uh, what's going on within that company, but uh, kind of a, a sneak preview of what, what we'll talk about later.
1: Yeah, so uh, soccer has clearly bounced back there. It's clearly a uh, priority. Um, and I, when I say bounce back, they had lost so many properties uh, between uh, starting with losing the Champions League rights in in uh, '09 and then losing the World Cup. In 11, and, and then uh, the Premier League uh, in, in 12, but then flipped 13. So there, there had been a, a uh, eating up of their rights. They now split MLS with, with, with Fox. Uh, for a while, they had, they had the preeminent package. So there has been a comeback from ESPN. Uh, obviously, they've had ESPN FC as an anchor, the daily show, uh, or what was a week show now, a seven days a week show that's been moved to ESPN Plus as an anchor. 2013, But there seems to be a renewed focus and priority on soccer properties at ESPN. They've been able to hold on to the Euros at least through 2020. Uh, they're pretty excited about the European Nations League and uh, obviously about Serie A. So, I mean, my takeaways were soccer has bounced back. It's a priority. It's not uh, – sure, it's not American football. It's not baseball. But it's not a uh, the black sheep that it was. when I, Chris, quite frankly, when I first went to Bristol – almost a decade ago uh, to, uh, to discuss uh, soccer issues in the upcoming World Cup in 2010. Uh, John Skipper, who was then the head of ESPN, had to force soccer onto uh, so many of their employees mm-hmm. because they had come from an era where in the media soccer was looked down upon. It was seen as foreign. It was seen maybe they were intimidated and didn't want to learn about soccer. There's a very American sports mindset. I, I, I think globalization, um, which has just progressed in the last uh, Uh, Five to ten years has opened the minds up of so many ESPN executives and employees as to the potential of this game. And because they do so much international programming out of Bristol, uh, I was actually – it it was very different than even I think the last visit you and I had to Bristol in 2013 where, um, yeah, we were there for the World Cup draw. But all the other conversation was about American sports and uh, even our gift bag was full of American sports items,
0: right? Right. Yeah, that's that, that's the thing, and we'll get into this in a little bit too, just as a teaser. But the the, the title of this podcast is uh, "Streaming Killed the Soccer TV Star," and in some ways, with ESPN Plus, you have to wonder whether ESPN Plus and and, and others out there like it, uh, NBC Sports Gold, BR Live, etc. We'll get into those in a little bit, but you you have to wonder whether the streaming is marginalizing soccer. Uh, in the United States, by having far fewer games on television, most of them on streaming, or are we ahead of the curve? Are we kind of the the next um, very digital savvy, very uh, trend setting? Uh, basically, we're in, we're in the future now, where most of the games uh, are on streaming, uh, and and we'll get to that in, in a little bit too in the, the new segment. But that's uh, definitely an interesting topic. And probably a debate about where we are within this, especially in the United States, this soccer universe, so to speak. All right, Carter, so let's move on to the Champions League. Uh, we had the Univision Deporters, of course, and uh, TNT broadcasting these games uh, in the U.S., in, in, uh, both in English and, and in Spanish. Spanish, of course, with Univision, English with TNT. And then we had uh, Bleacher Report Live uh, streaming all the games, as well as uh, Univision Deportes' app, streaming all of the games, and then other streaming services carrying the games too. But what were your initial uh, imp- uh, first impressions? Because I, I, I've gone ahead and written about this on worldsoccertalk.com. I have a kind of a full-length article on the homepage that goes into more detail. Um, but what, what's your thoughts, Carter? Because I haven't had a chance to talk to, talk to you about it yet.
1: Yeah, so I haven't watched Univision yet. I have some Univision stuff on my DVR. I was at the Sports Business Conference Tuesday and Wednesday. Actually, we flew back from Bristol. I dashed down to Miami Beach for, uh, from Fort Lauderdale Airport for that conference. So I, I was out of the loop. I, I did uh, stream games. or A number of people in the conference were streaming matches on Tuesday, particularly. And then uh, people disappeared during the Liverpool match because there's just – again, when you go to these conferences, there's a disproportionate number of Liverpool fans compared to – I mean, the people, there were people who were executives in sports who root for Real Madrid or Barcelona or whoever, right? But when you, when you get to, like, the hardcore soccer people, I've always found if these conferences are in the States, there's a disproportionate number of Liverpool fans compared to everyone else. Mm-hmm. So there were people who disappeared during that game, presumably to watch that match. But uh, the people who stayed, a lot of streaming going on, and the streaming was good from both um, the uh, non-authentication non-auth- Univision Stream and from uh, VR Live, which I did because I've, I've got the subscription. So um, the streaming was good in a place where fo- cell phone reception wasn't so good. So that, that's a really strong, positive point for both.
0: Let me, um, let me, let me just chime in that just real quickly. So, so I, I did the same thing to um, streaming, but, uh, but actually, so the, the big games, the streams were fine. But like, for example, on the Tuesday, the Inter Milan against Spurs game, uh, it buffered. It buffered like crazy. So the, the high-profile matches seemed to be fine, but kind of the, the second-tier matches, so to speak, uh, there was buffering issues on the Inter Milan Spurs game.
1: That's uh, a really
0: good point, because... So
1: the end of that match, I'm watching with, a, with um, a, a, someone at the back of the, the conference room, and um, unfortunately, you know, this was an embarrassing moment for me. There was, about, there was a panel going on, and there was about a second my-volume Got transferred from my Bluetooth to like the thing, and I and it wasn't turned <laughs> down, and you could the, the, the only word that people could hear was Tottenham in an English accent. Everyone knew what I was doing. Um, <laughs> bothered to look, but right. um, I uh, it streamed perfectly that last ten minutes. But then I realized after looking at tweets, we were like two minutes behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it had probably buffered initially when. When we had pulled up the stream and it fell behind, but the point being, we saw both Inter goals, which was um, yeah. You know, uh, sports fans want to blame me for a, a jinx. I know they some do because they they think I overrate their team all the time. But um, yeah, so we turned it on and we got to see both goals, and and the stream was perfect from that point on. But we were two minutes behind.
0: Yeah, so so, so overall, Carter, I'll just give a little bit of my feedback on TNT. Um, I was disappointed. I was really disappointed because I'd watched the UEFA Super Cup on TNT as well as the uh, UEFA uh, Champions League playoff games uh, featuring uh, Pauk and and other teams and Ajax. And the coverage for those weeks was was good. It was a breath of fresh air. Uh, it was tight. It was good chemistry on set. Uh, it was it was new and fresh. And then this week. Probably because there's so many games and there's so many storylines and so many things happening. It was all over the place. I just felt that I didn't feel that I had a good sense of knowing exactly what was going on in the Champions League. I didn't know. Uh, I, I saw the score lines, but I didn't know, OK, who scored and if it was a close match. Um, part of it, too, I think is the whole Fox has kind of brainwashed us in, in a good way. Where in previous years with the Champions League, as soon as the game would end, whichever game it would be, they would maybe give maybe like thirty seconds of analysis and then jump right into the highlights, the goal highlights of the other games, and give us some almost suspense, kind of like, okay, here's what's happening in the, here's what happened in the Chelsea, you mean AC Milan match, whatever match it was, and okay, now we move on to the next match. This one with Turner, as soon as the game was over. They gave us the the scorecard kind of the graphic on screen and showed us all all the the results of all the games, so it kind of uh, spoiled the suspense a little bit and then also okay, so now I know all the scores, but i haven 't seen the goal highlights, and I continued watching, watching 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 they they kept on talking, and they would show highlights a little bit of highlight here, a little bit there, but I never felt like I actually walked away. Having seen all the, the the major goals or the major talking points, and to me that that's a big issue.
1: Yeah, I I, I, I agree with that completely. I mean, I I, um, I again, I didn't watch this stuff live, um, but I've gone through both post game shows, uh, which you know it's exciting that they have a half an hour post match show, which Fox didn't have, but somehow Fox was able to cram highlights in. They didn't give you very much analysis. They didn't give you very much analysis. Period. But um, this ended up being after the Liverpool PSG match, um, a, a talk fest about you know the tactics and what had happened and the psychology of progress in the game. I, I thought Boca Negra and Gooch had very good analysis of Marquinhos, uh, and then Steve Nash had some very good analysis of the second half. But that seemed to take up, that, that seemed to be a replacement for showing highlights of the other matches, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And then they'd show one clip from each of the other matches, uh, one or two clips. It was. Uh, uh, almost like the rapid fire um, f- format of the Bleacher Report segments on um, on CNN, where the where Bleacher Report has these—you know—they—they—they're on. They have somebody who comes into the CNN studio in Atlanta or New York for two minutes, and just boom, 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 right? You know, and, and right. that I didn't appreciate. I didn't appreciate the power rankings at all. Uh, I give Steve Nash credit for calling it out. Uh, uh, you know, why do you do power rankings after five weeks of a season? Now, he was as uh, perplexed as I do. I, I was, although I have to say, Chris, you know that's Bleacher Report's wheelhouse
0: doing yeah.
1: uh, on the written side, doing things like that. So maybe well, he doesn't realize that, and he'll be, get a talking to about it. But uh, I, well, I, agree.
0: I, I'm sure, I'm sure he, he got a talking to about it because he said it was click clickbait. He was joking. And he was he's like, ah, right, clickbait, right. which is right. And, and to me, that's, I mean, it was pre match, so it's pre game, so it's filler. But to me, it's it's forced. It's forced into the show, and it's, it was embarrassing too. Because uh, I think one of the analysts said, "Like, where does this criteria come from? Like, who who makes this up?" And they were like, "I, I don't know. It's just it's kind of it's kind of just given to us." And I think Kate chimed in and said, "Yeah, well, it's just just it's it's criteria. It's based on something. <laughs> who knows who makes that up? And uh, it's probably it's probably some Bleacher Report either writers or social media team that, that actually creates that." Which is ridiculous to even have it in the first place, and even if you are going to have it, it was really it it was really skewed incorrectly. Anyway, uh, it's something to 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 debate, but it makes BR live look, I mean, cheap and corny. It's it's yeah. it's no value. It's just uh, I don't know. Now, fairness, ESPnFC ESPN FC does those same
1: rankings, but it's very clearly identified as Shaka Hislop's. Power rankings. They put them on the website. They talk about it on ESPN FC show, and it's very clearly Shaka's thing. And Shaka right. says, "Okay, it, particularly at this point in the season, it's early in the season. I'm basing it off of somewhat what how the team sides ended last season, how they started the season." But there was no such explanation here. um And then I, I have to also say, and get your thoughts on this, Chris. Maybe we're not hip in millennial thinking and millennial language, and it seems like a lot of. Uh, people we network with in the soccer world aren't hip and we don't speak millennial because I I guess this presentation was all geared towards millennials from the way Negra addressed to um, (laughs) kind of the the cadence and the way Kate Abdul presented to to the graphics and scribbles or whatever those things are, um, because I I don't get it.
0: Yeah. The script. Yeah. It it is definitely very skewed. um, You mean kind of teens to, uh, early twenty-somethings. So, so for for somebody that's maybe in high school or, or in college, and they're tuning in to watch this, and and they know about Neymar. I mean, they're all, you I mean, all about Neymar and all about Messi and Ronaldo, and and maybe they play soccer and maybe they have they support Man United or, or whoever it may be, and and they tune into this broadcast and they're like, yeah, I, I can I can I can relate to this. This is kind of hip and this is which which parts of it. I mean, I like the when they have the pre-match and they show some of the highlights of say Mane or uh, uh mosala or whoever it may be and then they have they actually have it a little bit animated so they have different things uh kind of you mean showing the speed but just kind of um accentuating it through animation that stuff's cool but the rest of it i, I don't know i mean i, I guess i guess i, I like that it's a, a fresh new set i like that uh, they seem more relaxed on the set it's not so stuffy um At the end of the day, hopefully this is the same thing for millennials as it is for anyone in in, in a different age group. At the end of the day, all I'm asking for is quality, is quality analysis. Uh, Show me the games and then tell me about what happened in the other games I missed and show me the highlights. And that's about it. I mean, anything else beyond that is extraneous. I mean, I I, I don't care as much about... um, uh, some of some of the social media stuff, or kind of the funny, jokey, a lot of banter stuff. Just give me give me what I want, and, and, and don't get in the way. Um, but but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely skewed to a younger audience. Uh, the look and feel of it, um, it. It'd be interesting to see. Well, we, we know what the TV ratings are, so we we can look at those and say, okay, well, based on what we've seen thus far, this is how it's doing. Um, but I I don't see Turner changing that much, Kartik. I I mean it. This, there's so many things that could be changed about this. I mean, even the set. I mean, so you have two studios. Yeah. So you have five uh, talent. You have two in L.A. and then three in Atlanta with Kate Abdo and usually Carlos Buconegra and either Tim Howard or, or uh, Aguchi who uh, but the problem is, is that if they said, okay, you know what, this this two studio thing is not working. Let's just do one studio, or let's change it up a little bit. Well, if you do have one studio in Los Angeles, you only got two people there, which would look weird. Uh, in Atlanta, you've got three people, so maybe you'd I don't know. I don't
1: know. It, it's just the whole. Yeah, but, the, but the problem is, the strong suit of their their studio work is snash and and whole. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think Tim Howard actually. Um, Tim Howard's been good. It's very noticeable between Tuesday and Wednesday. I, I, I think Carlos Bocanegra made some very good points. He doesn't seem terribly media trained. He's not enthusiastic, energetic enough. Uh, my only complaint about Tim Howard, and it's not really a complaint because maybe, who knows, I might be the same way. If I, uh, both in the, the, the preliminary stages and then now is that, you know, based on the clubs he's played for, you can tell there's a little bit of um lack of objectivity when it comes to Liverpool. But <laughs> I
0: mean, yeah. that's just natural, right? Yeah. Um but out of all of them, out of all of them he's been the best. I mean he, oh, yeah, he's yeah, yeah, I he seems more relaxed. He seems more at ease. He he seems to know what he's doing. But Carlos Bocanegra, you, you you pointed out a couple of uh, good analysis points he had, but for me he's just very monotone. Yeah. Uh, very lacking energy, just very just flat line, just very just blah um, uh, Gooch Gooch was good uh, for somebody that I haven't seen on television before uh, nothing really I mean amazing as far as his analysis but he seemed comfortable on set and was smiling and had a good energy about him uh, and, and then Stephen Ash and Stuart Holden I, I think are fine I think th- those are good um, I guess the, the issue I have more so is just the flow of the show and just the way it's kind of awkward even halftime at halftime they'll go to Kate yeah. in the Atlanta studio and talk for maybe like a minute or 30 seconds. Then they'll go back to commercials. Then they'll come back and then they'll come back. And now they're in Los Angeles and it's Stu Holden and uh, Steve Nash talking for about maybe a minute or two and then back to commercials. And then, and then, so it seems like it's kind of a waste in a way, a halftime where you have so little time and you're trying to, to manage it. It just does not work.
1: Yeah, that was bizarre, the halftime, I have to say. And, and so you had Kate Abdo uh, and then you go to commercials and you come back and it's LA. And it's Holden and Holden and Nash don't really have time to analyze anything. So it's like, hey, we're back here now. The second half's going to start, type of thing. And Holden's is actually presenting at that point. He's hosting. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, they just have to get the transitions down. They have to get the flow and cadence down. And then also this this cartoon thing they had pre pre match on Tuesday. The Champions. very very strange thing. It's like Special One TV. Remember that on Satanta? Um, it kind of just silly and corny. Maybe it appeals to some. Some people, but I, I, I thought it was quite, uh, quite bizarre. And then the beer thing for each club in the, in the groups, I nice. liked it the first day, but then it got really old the second day. It's like, oh, they're going to do this for everything? I thought it was a one-off yeah. uh, cute thing that they did graphic for, for, for one group. And then they continued it through the day Tuesday, and then Wednesday it was just tiring and old. So, uh, but I think that's, again, another kind of Bleacher Report web-type uh, thing. Working its way into the yeah. into the pregame show. So, the question is: Is Turner going to tighten this thing up and make it like an actual presentation on a linear television channel?
0: Um, I, I don't think yeah. so. I, I think I think the fo- I, I mean, hopefully they look and listen and and kind of um, change things, improve things. But I don't think it's going to change that much. I mean, I, I might be completely wrong. But so so the champions animated series, Kartik, uh which I thought was. I mean, the, the animation was cool, and it, it was kind of cool. That and, and it was a, a couple of jokes were funny, but most of it was pretty. Just like this is not even funny. This is, I mean, even the, the Harry Kane accents were completely wrong. Yeah. I mean, it just didn't sound. I mean, it's cute, but that that is part of a. I believe it's a fourteen part series or a sixteen part series that's going to run all season long. So um, so it, it can only get worse from there. Um, what I did like though was the Pep Guardiola interview. Uh, the black and white interview where it was a, interesting, but it, it got a lot of uh, information out of Pep Guardiola as far as some of the things, that, some of the opinions that he had. That I thought was well done.
1: That was really well done. That was actually one of the best interviews I've seen with him, and I've seen a lot of interviews with him. Yeah, so yeah,
0: and and, oh. and that comes from social media too. So so this to me that they're trying too hard. They're they're trying to kind of fit all these different things in. They got two studios. They got uh, five talent on, on the set instead of Fox that had four they 've got the social media stuff, and they 've got you mean the just the graphics and they 're trying to just fit too much in and it 's just a little bit overwhelming for the for the viewer I, th- I think, um, but to me, I mean special One TV was a million times more funny than the champions uh, Darren Farley uh, who 's an impressionist i 'm not sure if you 've seen him on 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 social media. He's probably 100 times funnier than uh, anything that the Champions did. There's, there's good quality people out there. Just I guess it's more of a homegrown thing that they wanted, wanted to do in-house with this Champions uh, animated series. I, I'll give them credit for trying. I'll give them credit for trying to do something different. The idea, the concept is good. It's just the execution is pretty bad. Um, but overall, yeah, I, was, uh, I watched Univision Kartik. So I, I did watch Univision. So for the first game on Tuesday, the, the Barca PSV game, I started listening to. I'm watching the game, and it was the world feed with uh, Simon Brotherton uh, doing the commentary. Uh, he's a BBC commentator. He's a good commentator, but it was almost as if he was whispering into the microphone. It was uh, one one commentator for the, the whole ninety minutes, and it was very kind of very very English, very old school, very BBC style. So I switched over to Univision, and it was three commentators. Coming at you, I mean, just the energy and the passion in the voices. You're like, wow, this is, this is a completely different game, even though it's the same game. Completely different game on uh, on Univision with with Barcelona on on that one. So I ended up watching. I think I I went back and forth. I think throughout the match, uh, the same thing happened on Wednesday too. There was. Um, I think the the Real Madrid Roma game, and it was uh, Kevin Keating's doing the commentary uh, for the World Feed. Again, another good commentator, another commentator with a lot of experience from the BBC, but very, very mellow, very uh, eloquent, very kind of just just very BBC, very British style. Switched it over to Univision, and it's like, wham bam, thank you ma'am, just just uh, intense. And, and and that's the thing too. I think for the Barcelona and Real Madrid games, where you're you're want, wanting to get some more of a, an energetic Latino kind of uh, announcer, you got that with Univision and with TNT, it was the complete opposite, where it was just very mellow, very English, very European, and it could be for a lot of people very boring. Now the interesting thing, Kartik, though, too, when you think about it, is that uh, the match selection so. Looking at these games this week, I mean, both Real Madrid and Barcelona, it was kind of a very one-sided games, very kind of much uh, a drubbing, kind of a thrashing of the opponents. Uh, but TNT went with more of the, the, the teams, the, the match selection of the teams that they picked uh, were ones that would be more applicable to Univision. So in the past with Fox, Fox FS1 or FS2, almost always would go with Premier League. Would it have, you know, yeah. it was Liverpool or Chelsea or Arsenal or Man United, almost guaranteed. They would always, whichever games they would be featured in, they would have those on FS1 or FS2. And then sometimes the Real Madrid or Barcelona game would be on FS1, but sometimes it was on FS2 or sometimes it was on Fox Sports Net. Um, it's interesting too, because really for these games, I mean, they they went more the Latino route. They went more with the the, the Real Madrid Barcelona route for the the big games. Of course, Liverpool PSG was on. You couldn't miss that one. But but for the most part, they went that route. And we'll talk about that in the TV ratings to see if that uh, if that uh, tactic worked or not.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, the thing that I also found very disappointing, uh, and this is not on the actual coverage this week, was the number of people who did not know that the rights were no longer with Fox. Uh, and I, I had assumed every soccer fan knew this and had known this for a long time because it was actually two seasons ago, Turner won. Um, it wasn't
0: announced for a February, while. Two February seasons. 2017 yeah, is when yeah, we broke right. it.
1: Yeah, it when, right. When, when we reported it first and, yeah. and some other outlets reported it first. So I, I was a little stunned by that and people texting me and, and, and DMing me wanting to know where to find the games um, and, and looking on the program guide at FS1 and FS2. I know Turner advertised, and they talked about it a lot on CNN, but I'm one of those you know, political people who watches CNN, who just – cnn 's a default channel on my television. I, it's only, I only change to another channel when I'm specifically watching something. If I'm not specifically watching something and I have my TV on, it's on CNN. And they promoted it on there on the Bleacher Report segments on CNN. And then um, in the algorithms of social media on Twitter and Facebook, if you – you know support man city like i do or you support tottenham or, or whoever uh but they didn't really do the kind of mass advertising on cable that um people our ages chris who are li- still kind of linear television mm-hmm. channel people even if they've cut the cord but they'll watch um uh you know watch espn through roku right or whatever they, they didn't they didn't they didn't kind of <clears throat> educate these people that um These matches are on Turner, and a lot of people, I think, by default found them on Univision. Um, Now, I don't know what the percentage of people that is, but it's just people I interacted with. I don't know if that continues through the the Champions League or if these people now realize Turner has the rights and they will switch to TNT in the next round. But we saw some of this in the ratings, which we'll get to in a few minutes. Um, The the other thing I I have to point out is that the first couple of months that Fox had – the uh, Champions League in 2009-10 season it was kind of clunky. Um, they had a, a two people in studio, so that was uh, very different. Um, and Eric the being the, 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 um, the analyst, they would bring Bobby McMahon in every once in a while, which was a real treat. We miss him dearly. I mean, he's mm-hmm. still one of the best as far as I'm concerned. Um, but uh, they, it took them a little while to get it right. They were using the international feeds. At the time, the UEFA contracted out with the Tim White white consultancy is yeah, that right
0: was a dis- yeah. what a disaster that was what oh. a
1: disaster with martin hinman and and some of these yeah, other yeah. guys it's awful uh, Hinley, sorry um, they um, they were horrible now that wasn't fox's fault that wasn't their quality control right was, uh, but there was a little bit of awkwardness and they eventually kind of by the time they got to that final that year, which was Bayern and Inter, they they had Champions League thing down. Maybe not. I mean, we were never entirely comfortable with it. They didn't have Derek Ray calling games, which was a disadvantage, right? That was the that's the he's the kind of definitive voice of the Champions League for those of us in the United States. But they did have um, some sort of um, comfort level with the viewer. I'm hoping Turner gets there. I was really hopeful after the first. Um, I didn't. I missed the Super Cup. I was. I was in England, but I. Uh, I, I saw the the um, the qualifying rounds after that, and was thought that they were well ahead of where Fox was. Yeah. Uh, but then this week has kind of got me asking questions. I mean, even to the point if they're going to do something kind of web based and uh, you know hip and millennial, I think Fox, when they did Facebook Live stuff last year with Rachel Benetta and Stu Holden yeah. and Mario Malchiat, were better than Turner seems to be doing sure. the same sort of thing. So um
0: yeah, yeah. i get, yeah you're you're right though Kartik. i mean it's early days so this is the very first week of uh, turner's coverage as well as univision's coverage of the champions league uh hopefully it'll improve over time unless you paid twice as much
1: so um that's a good thing but then you know i wish they had a multi-match 90 type of thing
0: right yeah, that'd be awesome uh, I, so
1: that's something we'll ultimately miss but i Look, it's a work in progress. I don't want to be too hard on Turner. I, I, but I think what's disappointing for you and I, Chris, especially, is that they we felt really good. Both you and I compared notes about this, and we talked about this on a pod a few weeks ago. Felt really good about them after the first couple of weeks that they did it, did did uh, UEFA broadcast. Now yeah. this is the first time a lot of people are tuning in because it is the group stage. It is Liverpool among other teams that uh, have a huge following in the states and uh, Barcelona. First time they've had Liverpool and Barcelona in their space. Obviously they had Real Madrid during uh during the um, the Super Cup, uh, but wow, it was very different than it had been uh, the prior few weeks.
0: I want to mention a quick word about our sponsors, SeatGeek. So getting tickets online can be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever. By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to source for tickets for everything from sports and concerts and uh, to comedy and theater. Now, just go ahead and download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code WSTPOD today. That's promo code WSTPOD for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Now, Kartik, let's move on to TV streaming news.
1: Yeah, so uh, we got into a little bit of it at the beginning uh, of the show, and then we got off onto Turner and Univision uh, talking about the Champions League. But back to ESPN and, and the trip you and I took to Bristol, Connecticut earlier this week, uh, Sunday, Monday, spent uh, up there and uh we got to sit in on the espn fc uh broadcast which was just fantastic and um the thing that is so refreshing and and you get this when you and i'm obviously kind of an espn fc addict this is i think everybody knows uh maybe the biggest fan of the show and of of the way dan thomas presents and and the way seb Salz and alexis nunez present when they they host but um there is very little rehearsal. There is very little, um, hey, I'm going to talk about this, which you expect in these kind of tightly produced um, studio shows. Instead, it's they, these guys now have been working together for five plus years. They started in August of 2013, so it's over five years now. Moreno and Burley know each other, right? So they know what each other are going to say, and they don't have to coordinate it. They don't have to rehearse it. They're relaxed in the green room beforehand laughing and joking and saying, hey, did you see this this weekend, Etc. cetera. Uh, they get on set and their chemistry is perfect. Dan Thomas knows which buttons to push, which goes back to the press pass days when he was really good at getting uh, information out of, of people. His presentation style has evolved even further to where he's very just laid back and comfortable. And then Peter Walton, um, as a guest, who's been on the show a lot, when he was the head of PRO, uh, which is the, the – the, um, the professional referees uh, organization here in the, in the United States, which governs referees for all professional leagues. Uh, he, he, uh, made regular appearances on, on ESPN FC and did regular media appearances. Uh, so very well media trained. He's used to dealing with, with Burley and Moreno and and Thomas sitting well. Uh, Howard Webb is now the head of PRO and he hasn't been coming on, uh, regularly the way Peter Walton did. So that, that's actually something we miss, uh, on ESPN FC. Um, but Peter Walton was very good, and um, you know, you agree about his assessment of, of, of some of the calls. But he, he he could he fit right in on that show. Yeah, um, so yeah, it was just it was awesome.
0: Yeah, what, what I liked Kartik too is that uh, it seems natural. I mean, it seems natural in terms of they know uh, the topics, they they can talk, you mean in deep length or deep analysis about the topics. But also at the end of the day, to me, it's uh, they were funny. It was watching it live on set. I mean, it seemed completely natural the way the, the humor kind of fits in. And actually, if anyone who saw Monday's episodes uh, about oil checks and all sorts of other things, it was hysterical. And that's, being on set and actually watching that happen, uh, it it was very organic. Very, it just seemed very natural and, and very funny. But at the, at the same time, very uh, informative. Now, the interesting thing, Kartik, is that um, ESPN F- FC. Uh, I haven't had a chance to watch it this week since since Monday, but I've heard that the, the analysis of the Champions League has been great, that there's been uh, a lot of people turning to ESPN FC to, to listen to their analysis. Now, the interesting thing, and I just got this a few minutes ago, and this is from uh, Richie, who posted this on the com website. He says, uh, for some reason, ESPN FC showed all of the highlights of the Champions League on Tuesday then turned around and showed absolutely no highlights on Wednesday. They used to have a problem showing players from B sports, but they solved that. I have no idea what the issue is now that only allows them to show highlights from certain games during the Champions League. Now, that's interesting, Kartik, because uh, in some ways, I mean, hopefully this gets resolved and hopefully ESPN and, and Turner can reach an agreement where Turner will give ESPN the permission to go ahead and show the highlights of the Champions League. Um, because, but then at, at the same time, I mean, to me, that's the go-to place. I'd, I would probably prefer to go to ESPN FC, hear their analysis, and watch the highlights of the games. But then at the same time, Turner Sports is probably thinking, okay, well, is that going to cannibalize our subscriptions to BR Live? Because people who might not be interested in paying nine ninety nine might just uh, go to ESPN Plus for five dollars a month and see that highlights and see the analysis there.
1: Yeah, that's that's very possible. Um, I mean, I think there's also um, this this situation with the Premier League with NBC, where NBC Sports Gold, you you get the highlights of Premier League matches if you're in the U.S. U.S. territory only on ESPN FC before full time of uh, of Premier League matches. So if you're sitting around waiting for Rebecca Lowe to show the hi- highlights, often you see it on uh, you know if it's a first half highlight, you'll see it on NBC first. But um, right. They, they tend to clip clip highlights and get them on the ESPN FC site. Uh, check out this Premier League match day, even Saturday and Sunday. Right at full time. Yeah, and uh, and, a, and a stand up with Alexis Nunez and and Craig Burley or Alexis Nunez and Steve Nichol talking about the game. So um, they might be undercutting NBC Sports Gold also, but it seems like. Uh, there isn't the kind of um, issues between Comcast and, and and Disney. We're seeing on even on other fronts some collaboration there uh, that there, there might be between time Warner and and Disney. But, uh, but- we have to remember these are all these these things are part of larger media conglomerates.
0: yeah, media giants. Um, and there's
1: a lot of politics in, involved.
0: Yeah, to to me, it should be a symbiotic relationship. Where if I'm watching ESPN FC and I see the highlights of the Champions League, I might be okay. Hey, this this is great. This is great. Actually, the football on display this week was fantastic. I thought, especially for a group stage, especially for the early rounds. But I would think, okay, well, maybe that makes me more inclined now to subscribe to BR Live or to to watch the games on TNT because I'm. You mean? And and vice versa. You mean? I'm sure TNT could talk about, say, U.S. men's national team and maybe an upcoming game that's going to be on ESPN or whatever it may be. I think we're all in the same business together. So uh, so hopefully ESPN will work out the deal with uh, Turner Sports to allow the Champions League highlights to, to continue to be shown. Um, we'll have to wait and see on that one. So yeah, the ESPN FC, uh, that was fantastic to sit in on the broadcast and to to watch them at work. And uh, for anyone that doesn't uh, that has ESPN Plus but hasn't had a chance to watch ESPN FC, I highly recommend it. It's a really really good show, and I think Dan Thomas does a great job. And they have a lot of fantastic guests on. I mean, week in week out. So uh, I'm definitely going to be watching more and more of it.
1: Uh... The only thing I missed was that as a regular ESPN FC viewer, I mean, I watch every show. Um... There was some natural tension when Marcotti's on the show with Burley, and I, I love that. And that was the only only aspect we missed in, the, in this taping because Marcotti wasn't on. But it was fantastic.
0: Exactly. So um, ESPN Plus and ESPN International, we had discussions with them too. So for that for that analysis, what we're going to do is uh, write up some articles about some of the things we learned, and then we'll share those on worldsoccertalk.com. dot com. But we're going to move on because we've got a lot of stuff uh, stuff to uh, cover. Uh, in the remaining part of this show. So next up is uh, the big news, is that one of the uh, sports broadcasters in the United States has launched a nightly European soccer highlight show. It's nightly, but it's actually Mondays through Thursdays, uh, every week during the entire season. And the company that's actually launching this is Univision. So Univision Deportes has got a show called uh, Mission Europa, and uh, it airs, I believe, 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, includes highlights of uh, the games from around Europe, as well as the Champions League, and, of course, analysis. So that's that's a big statement of intent, I think, Kartik. where, yes, Univision has the rights to the Champions League, but not only do they have the rights to the Champions League and the Europa League, and they're going to be talking about that, but they're also going to be talking about the other European leagues and that opens a whole huge gateway for fans of you know, Latino soccer, you mean know, Latin American soccer, you mean know, from South America or, or uh, North America, etc. Mexico especially, to get more into European soccer. And this could be a huge payoff, pay huge for um, for Univision, not, not just Univision, but also La Liga, uh, maybe Premier League, etc. Um, as these teams become more and more popular. Alright, Kartik, what's up next in our, our streaming news?
1: Yeah, so um I was at the Sport Business Summit this uh week in Miami as talked about uh a couple times on the a couple quick takeaways. One, the Bundesliga is not going to play a game in the United States. So that was uh uh some news that we
0: we made uh with the Bundesliga at, at the well, conference. But Well, but but they did say they might play a German a Super Cup game, <laughs> yeah. right?
1: Yeah. Right. So, okay. So there's a difference between the DFL and the DFB, right? So, um yeah, it's 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 a uh it's a subtle difference. They're not gonna play a regular season game, but I think they, they I okay, so now that you bring it up, I think they basically he basically said we will play a super yeah. game without saying it, right?
0: That, that, that's why I thought it yeah, that's that's what I, I took away from it. Yeah, which you look so, at, you look at the FA. You look, I mean, the FA. There's always been talk about maybe the Community Shield. That would be the perfect showcase game to have overseas. They've they've never had it overseas. I mean, the the, the French, the Italians uh, have had had their similar games played in you know, in Asia and United United States and all over the world. Um, the Spanish for the Spanish Supercopa, had it in was it uh, Tunisia? I think it was uh, just yeah. a month ago. Uh, the FA hasn't done that, so the FA has kind of stayed away from that. The Premier League has stayed away from you know, they, had, they had their 39th game idea, but they've stayed away from playing games overseas. And now you have La Liga kind of entering the market. And uh, yeah, the German Super Cup would be a, a great one to have over here. We, I'd love to have the Community Shield here too, but, uh, but that, that, that's definitely an interesting comment from, uh, in regards to German soccer there.
1: Yeah, in, in, over the course of the two days of the conference, uh, there was so much discussion of zone. And, and what they're going to do in North American markets, what they've already done in Italy, uh, what they're going to do in, in, in the U.K. and Ireland. Uh, it's, uh, they're the elephant in the room, Chris. I mean, it, it's a, it's an odd thing, uh, because every time you, get, you drill deeper with people and having conversations at this conference, uh, p- there are no real rights tenders out there right now uh, for the next year in, in most of these countries we're talking about. But yet... Dizone, it's assumed, will somehow find a way to, cre- to, to, to uh, find content to put on their platform, which almost everyone acknowledges is technologically ahead of where um, the comparable platforms from other media companies would, are currently. Now, there is also some time for those other media companies to bridge that gap, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, given uh, that Dizone does not have that many rights. Uh, at this point, uh, Italy being the market where there may be, uh, in the best shape, they've got a s- sub license, uh, of some champions league matches in Canada, uh, from BN, but that was very, very interesting. The entire conversation about the zone, which, uh, was constant during the conference and in-, in private chatter, and-, and sometimes even from, um, the panelists, uh, speaking of which BN, uh, BN's, uh, uh head of acquisitions was at the conference and he, and he, uh, opened up the possibility of co-bidding on properties in the future, which is something BN has not done before. They've been very reluctant to sub-license um, properties, and now they have part of the Champions League, as, as I just mentioned, to disown in Canada. It's like they might be opening up given, and uh, you know, we talk about it on the show every week, I don't want to believe it point, but given where they are um, in terms of, of, uh, uh, of distribution in the United States and in Canada, um, they are now becoming more strategic. And kind of pivoting in their uh, in their thought process. I mean, any thoughts on that, Chris?
0: Yeah, we'll have to wait and see, Kartik. I'm not sure about that one because. Um... The co-bidding, I mean, that's something that BN Sports hasn't done up until this point. I mean, in the six or seven years of, of existence, everything that they've done has been within the BN Sports uh, entity. They haven't done any sub-licensing deal. I mean, pretty much everyone does sub-licensing deals in the United States, whether it's um, ESPN, whether it's uh, Univision, whether it was Fox, um, Maybe NBC is probably actually maybe NBC. Uh, anyway, NBC probably hasn't done it, but they they don't need to because they don't have a lot of rights anyway. Um, but yeah, being sports, I mean that that's in some ways a positive sign where they're saying okay, well maybe we should start trying to figure out ways to work with other broadcasters or other streaming companies to work together. At the same time, though, too, it does indicate perhaps that. Uh, it's this, it, the times are getting more desperate that they're maybe in a situation where they have to resort to that where in the past where they stuck to their guns and said okay we're, we're just going to have everything within the being sports engine um, or kind of entity that uh, we don't need to do that so depending on the which way you look at it it's a positive but also it could be seen as a negative as far as how much uh, how, how much runway they have left as a company in the United States yeah
1: yeah, maybe, and we can talk more about this in another show. But uh, I think one of the things that you and I have talked about privately, and other people have talked about privately with us, is that BN is making what well, appears to be the right moves now. But maybe is it too little, too late? Is this something they needed to uh, to do yeah. both with their their PR campaigns, their social media presence? Um, they're putting pressures on pressure on cable companies. They're talking about. Uh, the the, the the behavior of Comcast and, and AT&T, and, and, and then now this co-bidding and, and willing to sub-license. Is this something we needed to do two years ago? Um, it all makes sense now, but it, it, is it too late? So that's, uh, that's I think, ultimately the big question for a lot of us uh, about BN, and we'll, we'll get into that in another show. One last uh, takeaway from the Sport Business Conference, uh, besides my panel, which was quite lively, but it ended up being about a promotion and relegation, which is not... Um, you know, again, it's, it's a topic that always, if you deal with U.S. um, doesn't matter how much you try and focus on player development and the business of the sport, that ends up being where it goes because people feel so passionately about it. But um, there is a feeling that even though linear channels might be having uh, trouble with sports acquisition rights, right, and things are moving to digital and um, linear channels themselves might disappear because of cord cutting, that there is still among... Uh, non-millennials, such a, and you do this, Chris, because you you're a perfect example of it, but you still use your television. There's still such a, a, an attachment to the big box, mm-hmm. to the TV, that TV as a medium will not disappear. So this idea was talked about a lot at the conference, that millennials are very comfortable watching events on their on their smartphones, on their iPads, on their laptops, uh, if they even have laptops, a lot of them don't, right? They're just tablets and, 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 and smartphones, Um Those of us who are in our 30s and 40s um, tend to still be attached to the big box. So if we cut the cord, if we're going to something, we're forced to watch an ESPN Plus or a BR Live or a uh, uh, a, a similar uh, NBC Sports Gold, we're still finding a way to stream it onto our television sets. So that behavior, the the thinking is, is not going to change among at least our generation. Mm -hmm. So it may be some time before you see a complete switch to, Tablets and iPhones, uh, or tablets and smartphones.
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, it depends on the situation. I mean, if you're traveling, or if you're, um, you know, I mean at school or at work, or, or places where it's probably more uh, comfortable or, or more, more ideal to have, you know, a tablet or, or a mobile phone, etc., to watch a uh, broadcast. But for me at home, uh, you mean or in the office, I would prefer to watch it on a big screen T V. And and that's the thing though too. I mean I think we were, you and I, kartik and others probably grew up with televisions thinking that okay, once you have a television, it's pretty much um useless Unless it's it's plugged into cable or satellites, right, because right. you mean you, you just you plug it in, you switch it on, and then you just get the you mean the shh you mean there's nothing on. You would have to have cable or satellite in, in order for it to work, I mean to be useful. Otherwise, it's just just garbage basically. Um, you mean because even even over the air, you couldn't pick up uh, just just by plugging it in. You'd have to attach some things and rabbit ears and all that stuff. Today's age, I mean, it really is with so many people, especially millennials. Not even subscribing to cable or, or satellites. I mean, a TV provider. What, what's that? So whether they're watching I- illegally or they're just uh, have their ISP and they're watching YouTube or Netflix or whatever it may be, uh, the TV to me is almost like a canvas. The TV is something you put on a wall, and then you can project things to it or plug plug your streaming sticks or you mean your laptop or HDMI or cast it to whatever it may be. But that—that's—that's that's what I see a TV set as now. A TV set is basically a canvas to put things on, and uh, depending on the day, day of the week, depending on what gadgets I have, um, sometimes I might have put in a Roku stick. Other times I might put in a Chromecast. Uh, other times I might use my Apple TV. But that—that's kind of my my world at least right now. That's a big change, Kartik, from most of most of America. Most of America is used to subscribing to. Either a cable or satellite uh, service, and and that is that is the broadcast. That is uh, the way we get to watch uh, news and sports and entertainment, etc. And that's a big change. I mean, so, so to me, with soccer, with so much soccer moving from television to streaming only, um, are we ahead of the curve, or are we be, not not behind the curve, but are we in a point where? The soccer is not as big as people thought it would be or could be and it's been marginalized and it's okay let's go ahead and yeah let's put over let's put soccer on that br live streaming platform that's very niche that has arm wrestling that has lacrosse and and we'll have soccer on there and, and those soccer guys are you mean have probably more disposable income or have have a, a greater average uh, household income than say a typical american or typical sports fan and let's go ahead and, and have them pay for what they want to see. What do you think, Kartik? Where, where are we? Are we ahead of the curve? Are we kind of the trendsetters? Is the NFL and Major League Baseball going to be where we are now in a few years? Or are we being marginalized? This
1: is really interesting because um, this is another big topic of conversation at the conference. Apparently, China is much more savvy in Brazil about this stuff than the, than the U.S. or U.K. markets. Um, There was actually a a graphic. I I wish I had taken a picture of the slide. I can probably get it uh, from from, uh, Sport Business. But that um, showed that there is more of a a willingness and less of a hesitation about streaming content on your tablets and your um, smartphones in China and in Asian markets and then in in Brazil specifically to Latin America, maybe not in the rest of Latin America, uh, uh, as opposed to the U.S. and the U.K. The U.K. was the most resistant, by the way. Um, and the U.K. was also the place with the with the fewest subscribers to pay television, um, which we know we know yeah. all the problems people have watching the Premier League on Sky. I mean, we've known that for 20 some odd years. Um, so that was really interesting. And then I think on, on the U.S. end, again, soccer fans are more savvy because as as uh, our, our conversation with Mr. Lasker at ESPN Plus um, uh, he pointed out very, very directly and, and correctly, in my opinion, soccer fans have been used to searching for this sort of content for years. So making them um, you know, subscribe to ESPN Plus and watch uh, safe, free, legal streaming, um, which is of a high quality, is not as difficult as convincing fans of other sports to do so. Um, but is major, are major League Baseball in the NFL and, and NBA going to be there? Um I'm really curious to see how Bleacher Report Live does for the NBA. I'm not an NBA fan, although if I had, if I had to pick up the four major U.S. sports, uh, if you said, hey, you, you, know, you have to say you, you're partial to one sport or another, I would say basketball. Um, but um, I'm really interested to see how NBA does, NBA TV does on VR Live. I think that might be the harbinger of where things go, and I, hope, I certainly hope they have uh, uh, it down Uh, better than they have the Champions League. Champions League is very much kind of the launch of VR Live, and then NBA season starts in a month or so, uh, and uh, that's going to be really the big test. But I think that's going to open the door to this discussion of of throwing um, other U.S. leagues off of linear television. I mean, the the, the television ratings for baseball are are not very high right now. The television ratings for the NBA are not very high right now, relative to where they've been in the past. Uh, So I think the possibility is there for non-playoff games, non-defining um, games, you know, Lakers-Celtics, that sort of thing, uh, the Heat-Nicks uh, to be on uh, on other uh, other uh, on, on non-linear television for for uh, U.S. sports. Uh, but soccer again might be the trend center, so we'll see.
0: Yeah, Kartik, I I don't see any turning back. So I don't see like for example, once this uh, UEFA Champions League rights cycle ends in about three years, and it's up for bidding again, and I mean Turner's maybe still interested in renewing it. Same with Univision. I, I don't see us going back where there's going to be now all of a sudden more soccer on television. I, th- I think the the path that we're on is definitely I mean, within the last six months within the last 12 months there's been a huge shift from tv to streaming nbc sports gold pretty much started it as far as you mean, exclusive games only available on streaming and depending on what, what club you supported that could be a huge factor or, or a small factor uh if your club was on there you know week in week out or hardly at, at all but we're moving more and more to all streaming and um and also very selective. So, if you want to watch, so so five or six years ago, if you wanted to watch Champions League, uh, Premier League, and La Liga, and you mean maybe uh, maybe Major League Soccer, maybe you would only need like two channels. Now you need with the Premier League alone, you need you mean NBC, SN, uh, and also NBC Sports Gold. La Liga, it all depends where you are as far as if you have Comcast or DirecTV uh, or we have to go to a streaming platform for that. Uh, Major League Soccer, you need ESPN+, plus Univision, plus Fox, plus ESPN and, and so on and so forth. And we see too with, with being in sports. I mean, being in sports, the future of the company is unknown. I mean, maybe, maybe they survive this and maybe they continue and continue to have all the games that they have the rights to on television. Maybe they go away, or maybe they go to more of a streaming service platform and try to build something there. Um, I see it kind of more and more towards streaming. It's it's a big change. Uh, for a lot of soccer fans, it's a struggle because it's not what we're used to, um, and it involves changes, involves uh, having to get a, a Roku streaming stick or having to get an HDMI cable and figuring out how to actually put those games that we've been accustomed to watching on television on, on, a, on a TV through a streaming device. Big changes. But uh, I think we're ahead of the curve. Um, the challenge, the thing that's tough is that um, it's costing us more. It's, it's, it, if you want to still have the same access to what we had before, to every single game, to be able to watch all of that, it's going to cost you more because you have to subscribe to NBC Sports Gold, Bleacher Report Live, ESPN+. Plus. Uh, an ISP to have a an internet access, uh, as well as maybe a Sling TV to watch your Disney channels and maybe Fubo for your Showtime channels and whatever it may be. But, um, it's changing times. Um, I like that there's the flexibility, there's the freedom, there's the liberty to say, you know what, with ESPN plus, I'm going to maybe cancel for the summer and then come back in, in August. Uh, or with Fubo or Sling TV or DirecTV Now or YouTube TV, I can switch them back and forth and cancel one month and go to a different service. I like that. I like that. I'm not stuck in a contract. But at the end of the day, as the title suggested, is that streaming has killed the soccer TV star. And I, I see us heading in, in a future where TV, traditional TV, whether it's uh, cable or, or satellite, is a thing of the past. Yeah. Actually, actually, we have one more news item. I'm sorry. Oh, right, right. Sorry. <laughs> it's, and all this is good discussion, too. So hopefully, listeners, you're enjoying it uh, as much as we are. One more thing, and this is a big thing, is that ESPN has acquired some more rights. Uh, there's no word yet whether or not uh, most of these games will end up on ESPN+, Plus or if some of them will end up on television. Uh, I'm sure probably most of them, if not all of them, will be on uh, ESPN+. Plus. But they've acquired the rights to Coppa Italia, and the italian super cup so for the next couple of years uh those rights in the united states will be with espn uh also on top of that too uh fubo tv has added uh rai which is the uh, italian network that's available in the united states so if you like watching serie A soccer and you want it in the authentic natural italian language then uh, you can get uh, rai through fubo tv so that, that's uh Two big uh, news items there for for soccer fans. All right, let's move on to TV ratings, Karthik, and some uh, some interesting numbers. Of course, this week we've got the Champions League numbers. Uh, we don't we have Tuesday's numbers, but we don't have Wednesday numbers yet. We're recording this on a Thursday. Uh, the big one, so Liverpool against PSG, uh, had over one million viewers, uh, one point zero zero two to be exact. Uh, Six hundred seventy two thousand of those was on uh, Univision. Uh, those games were on Univision and uh, uh, Univision Deportes. And then you had 330,000 on TNT, and that was on the uh, the three, 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock Eastern broadcast. So surprisingly, in a way, though, Kartik, you mean, Liverpool PSG is very I mean, it's Eurocentric. It's probably, you would think it's more of a, I mean, Liverpool fans especially, more of an English-language audience. Uh, yeah. But then Univision, but again, the, the game's on over-the-air, Univision plus Univision Deportes, which has a lot of reach through, through cable and satellite. So um, more than double the amount of viewers on Univision than on TNT. In some of the other numbers, so we had the Barca PSV game. Uh, this one was on the Tuesday, the early broadcast, and that one had 782,000 viewers. Uh, 618,000 of those was on uh, Univision and Univision Deportes, 164,000 on TNT. And we mentioned earlier, too, about uh, Spanish language broadcasts versus English language broadcasts and also about kind of uh, TNT thus far this first week, really kind of going more after the, the Latino audience. So maybe more about the the Spanish uh, teams going with uh, Barca and Real Madrid as, as the big games on TNT this week. And of course, Barca, you're going to imagine or expect the numbers would be much higher on Univision. Uh, but TNT, 164,000 viewers, again, it's uh, what's, uh, about, about half of the, the amount that the Liverpool PSG game got. So, based on those numbers, Kartik, I would say for programming that TNT should probably do what Fox was doing. And probably look at more of the, the Premier League teams and kind of say, OK, let's, let's figure out a way to make sure that Manchester United and I mean, Liverpool, uh, two clubs with a huge supporters base, are uh, going to be featured more on TNT. And then let, let's leave the Bosses and Real Madrid's. Maybe those will be Univision because they're going to they're, they're get those ratings anyway.
1: yeah it is what it is. I mean I, I think this is what happens when you have something in spanish or something on a on a, on a over the air channel versus something on a channel that people are not accustomed to watching yet for soccer and there's a lot of confusion i 'm not alarmed by it. I understand the the why it's happened in, in week one we've got to continue to track this, but uh, given the number of people who weren 't even aware that Turner had the rights to the uh champion and given the number of people who 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 um for whatever reason, thought the game might be on TBS or True TV instead of TNT. I, I, uh, it's not unexpected, uh, but we'll we'll see how this continues to progress. Um, Turner, just just real quickly, will have to make a decision on whether this has been worthwhile for them rather uh, quickly because the rights will come back up for for bid in about a year and a half uh, for the next three years. So this is a three-year cycle with, with rights uh, fees to most European. Uh, football properties, uh, the Premier League, it is world globally, except in the U.S., where they gave NBC a longer six-year deal, essentially gave them two TV cycles. But uh, so let, let's continue to monitor this, but I'm not alarmed yet.
0: Yeah, I'm, I am I i am alarmed. Um, I think partly because I mean you look at say Everton against West Ham, two teams that really don't have a massive following in the United States. And that had uh, twice as many viewers as Barca against PSV on TNT and TNT is in like what, I think like 95 million homes. It's a more homes than any oh, other. Country, really. By far, by far. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yes, it's early days. Yes. Things it'll take time for people to, to get used to watching those things. But, um, I, I just think that, uh, TNT would be better suited actually kind of looking at some of these English clubs, uh, with, with a larger f- followings and looking at those and putting those on television, perhaps. Um, Look at some of the other numbers too. I mean, yeah, Watford against Man United, eight hundred six thousand viewers on uh, NBC on Saturday. Man City against Fulham, uh, two hundred ninety four thousand on Saturday on NBCSN. Yet the first game of the season, I believe, on uh, CNBC, uh, that was uh, Cardiff against Chelsea, and that one had one hundred eighty one thousand viewers. Uh, DC United against uh, New York Red Bulls on Sunday on ESPN had two hundred sixteen thousand viewers. And then Sunday's uh, Chicago against Orlando game, which was on Sunday evening at on FS1, uh, the number was too low to report, so we don't know what that number was. Uh, presumably, it was probably I mean, 100,000 viewers, maybe maybe even lower than that. Um, but we'll we'll try and see if we can get that number. So that that's uh, some of the uh, TV ratings numbers. We'll have the full complete list at willsoccertalk.com. Moving on to listen the Mailbag, the uh, first up is uh, Soccer Thoughts, and he posted this on Twitter. He says, good pod, I just can't get behind Kartik comparing the coverage on ESPN and Fox when he admits not having watched one of them. That's not analysis, that's just venting guys and damages credibility. And I think Kartik, that was in, in regards to, I think, uh, coverage of the U.S. men's national team uh friendlies uh the game one game which was the brazil game on fs1 and then the mexico game on espn but but i i think i mean kartik i'll, I'll defend you on this one fox's coverage is so predictable so formulaic we we know exactly what they're going to do before they do it and we and we watch it and we're like oh gosh it's exactly what we thought it would be with espn also with espn espn we know that they'll be more forthright more honest with the listener or the viewer um, so many times we kind of gravitate towards that because it's going to be some fresh, honest opinions rather than some very PR-friendly. What Fox gives, which are kind of strange takes sometimes on topics, nah, so, or they completely ignore some of the things that are going on.
1: Well, they ignore much of what's going on. Yeah, I, 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 I uh, soccer thoughts. I, I, uh, kind of, uh, I agree in, to a certain extent with the critique. I didn't watch Fox for this match, and I went ahead and critiqued them. Uh, in the future, I'm going to try and watch at least some of their coverage of the U.S. men's national team so I have a basis of comparison. That having been said, so many people complained about Fox's coverage to me, I felt like I had watched it. So um, <laughs> that that's what happened post-game, right? So pre-game, I'm not really sure what went on. I made assumptions about that. I'll, I'll, I'll concede that. Post-match, after the Brazil game, the kind of analysis that was given, um, people were flooding me with, with commentary about that and how um, just the, how... Uh, unrealistic it was, given what we had just watched, uh, or what they perceived they had just watched. So, um, a lot of it is based on on other people who I trust, who, who are seasoned soccer viewers, uh, their takes on Fox. And and uh, I think I've I've tended to do this at times because I'll be honest with you, there have been times where I've sat down to watch a Fox broadcast, and the pregame show has been so um, just not meeting my personal preferences and what I want to, how I want to be informed before a match that at ten or fifteen minutes in, I've I've shut it off. And then uh, watched uh, the match uh, on Univision it, it, that's happened several times in the in the last cycle, particularly during qualifying uh, and qualifying that re- we' got to remember that the u s failed to qualify in and it was always you know fluff and sweetness and light on, on Fox whereas you'd go to ESPN and you'd get the pregame show, and it would normally be uh, in those days Bob Lee with Casey Keller um, or herc Gomez and it was much You know, it was much more realistic as to the the reality that the table was portraying where the US's position was relative to the other nations of coffee caps. So, um, all of that. But I I do take, I do uh, agree with some of the criticism, I'll, I'll admit that.
0: Next up is Charlie Marlowe, and Charlie says, It seems to me that Fox thinks it's 1988. In 2018, USA, many, many viewers have played on an organized team and are capable of appreciating or learning from knowledgeable game announcers. People don't need theatrics or one-dimensional non-analysis. Ted Brooks says, Just did some math on the uh, WorldSoccerTalk.com broadcast numbers from January the 1st to June 30th for a presentation club america matches drew 15.6 percent of all club soccer broadcast viewers in the united states the most of any club in the world and highest viewership per game as well ben says uh, being a subscriber to Bein sports connect over here in australia i feel sorry for you guys i've experienced the be in sports usa connect service and it's barely usable dedicated apple tv app over here in australia and all matches are available on catch up Uh, catch-up would be on demand. Uh, Aaron says, it's strange that BN doesn't have a real tier one streaming service. BN has real innovation issues they don't have across uh, the world a a mobile website, streaming, podcast, blogs, etc. Platforms that are needed to be successful in 2018-19. Without these tools, which are not uh, very much uh, innovative, but more technology from 2016, I really think uh, if they don't put it together... Uh, Pull it together in the next two years. They will have major issues around the world by 2020. Uh, Siad Camo says, uh, TNT BR football post-match show is really unique. Instead of a goal highlight, the viewers can see player celebrations. Instead of full highlights, they will redirect you to their YouTube website. Vincent Orozco says, hi guys, I've got a question for you. There is no Latino voice on English language, uh, Mexican uh, Liga MX games on Fox, uh, FS1, FS2. In my opinion, uh, the audience that is watching the game wants some of the flair that comes along with the Latino perspective, like the nickname of the players and a goal call. And do you know where I can send my opinion about the coverage? Thanks for the show. Listen every week. You guys do an unbelievable job. I Really appreciate it. And that's the thing too, I I've watched a little bit of Liga Mekis, uh, Cholos mostly, uh, on FS one. And it's very very much a very American, boring announcer with no passion. I'm watching the game. The game's actually kind of very feverish all over the place, like you mean know, lots of things happening on, on the pitch. And then the the actual announcer is kind of very monotone, very just boring. And it doesn't match. Um in regards to his question about where he can send opinions on the coverage, uh, yeah, Fox doesn't really have much of a way of communicating with them, and oftentimes I get, I get phone calls or emails from people wanting to try to get in touch with Fox, and I, I try my best to answer those questions. But uh, I do know that Fox listens to this podcast, so they will get the message. Alexander says, uh, being a Bayern Munich fan uh, that loves to get out of the office to grab some beer and watch a match at a local bar, uh, not having the matches on cable uh, is difficult. I might have to stay at work and watch it on BR Live. Uh, maybe work will allow beer for those occasional uh, times. So those occasions, fingers crossed. Uh, ha ha. Uh, number two, I've been trying that uh, the zone free month subscription. I like the ability to watch the AFC Champions uh, League and the J1 leagues. The ability to, to view these leagues has been horrible, lacking in the past. My hopes are that DAZN improves its platform to include more J-League matches and possibly add the top Korean league. And then uh, the third point he has is, have you guys heard of the OZ app? It is showing uh, games for the CONCACAF Nations League for free so far. They also seem to have A-League and and W-League, which are not free. It seems very new as, as far as apps go and has a lot of kinks to be worked out. So, yeah, so I've used OZ last season, because they had the the Dutch League there, Divisi, uh, as well as the A-League. Uh, for this season, uh, the A-League is with uh, ESPN+, but I do know that they have the CONCACAF uh, Nations League. I haven't been impressed with the service. It seems very... When I first saw it, I thought it was fake. I didn't think it was actually a real streaming service. I thought it was um, kind of a... Uh, uh, a pirated site, uh, the design's not very professional and it's very clunky, very hard to use. Um, I have not been impressed, but if you do want to watch Conkercaf Nations League uh, for free, there you go. All right listeners so you can always reach out uh, to us with any uh, questions, feedback, um, tips or questions, whatever it may be through email. Uh, the email address is web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as uh, facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. You can message us there or on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can post your comments on the website worldsoccertalk.com. So everyone, thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audioboom and worldsoccertalk.com. If you like the show, uh, we'd love for you to go ahead and post a review on iTunes. We'd greatly appreciate it uh, to let other people know about the show and what you like or don't like about the show. And Kartik heading into another weekend of soccer uh, from around the world, plenty of choices, some of it streaming, some of it on television. What should they do?
1: Enjoy your football.